From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. So good to have you with us. Coming up, the Democratic House impeachment team is expected to wrap up their case today against former President Donald Trump. We'll talk about it with uh, Abigail Robertson, the Capitol Hill correspondent for CBN News, in just a moment. And is Planned Parenthood transitioning into the transgender business? We'll talk with author Abigail Schreier about that story. And it appeared, it appeared. The Biden administration was going to get tough with the Communist Party of China, but maybe not. Asian expert Gordon G. Chang is here to talk about that issue. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And by the way, if you missed last night's uh, Pray Vote Stand Town Hall meeting, it was really good. And for those that tuned in, thank you for tuning in. It was great to have uh, Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia, to host us. And, of course, uh, ADF President and CEO Mike Ferris was there with us as well. Uh, a lot of information that we covered from your questions, questions that came from all across the country last night. Uh, we've got it archived. If you missed it, you can go back and see it. A lot of good information, encouraging information about what's happening as it pertains to election reform, making sure your vote counts in the uh, future in the uh, upcoming election. So anyway, you can find that. Go to TonyPerkins.com, follow the links over. And again, a good way to stay in touch Text the word STAND to 67742. That was actually one of the questions last night was, you know, what happens when uh, you get canceled from these uh, social media platforms? How are we going to know what's going on? Text the word STAND to 67742. We're creating our own means of being able to communicate so we're not relying on big tech who is, uh, you know, canceling out conservative voices. As I mentioned, the Democratic House impeachment managers are expected to wrap up their case today against former President Trump. Yesterday, they presented for nearly eight hours going through footage of the January 6th riot and Trump's speeches in the weeks leading up to it. Um, tomorrow, uh, Trump's defense team will uh, have its turn as both sides get a total of 16 hours to make their arguments. Joining me now to uh, talk about some of the highlights from the Democratic's uh, party's case against the president and what we might expect from the Trump defense team is Abigail Robertson, the Capitol Hill correspondent for CBN News. Abigail, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Well, let's start with uh, your impressions so far of the presentations made by the Democratic House impeachment managers. Well, the House impeachment managers are certainly playing the emotion card. And while some Republican senators have admitted that, um, you know, as they've played these videos from the horrific attack on January 6th, they've been led to tears. It is still like unlikely that this is going to end in a conviction because many Republican senators do not believe this impeachment trial is constitutional. And we saw that at the beginning of this week when 44 Republican senators voted on the very first thing they considered is proceeding to this impeachment trial of a president who is no longer office constitutional. And while it just needed a simple majority, which they had, so it proceeded, 44 Republicans argued that it is not. And Democrats would need 17 Republicans and every Democrat senator to get that two-thirds majority to convict President Trump at the end of this trial. And right now, it looks like they are far from that. Yeah, I, I, I think you're absolutely right, Abigail. And here's where I also think 
the emotions, and I've seen this, you know, some of the uh, senators even tearing up, because here's here's what happened. They had a, a very limited perspective of what happened in January the 6th. They were rushed out. They went into a room. Uh, they were kept safe. And now they're getting to see a, a 360 view of, of what happened. And I can I can relate to that. I mean, we had actually here at our place in Washington, D.C., we had the first uh, successfully prosecuted domestic terrorist case here when an LGBTQ activist came in and mm-hmm. shot one of our people and tried to shoot up our building. Well, when we went back and we looked at the footage that was captured on the security footage, I mean, it was emotional for uh, the team because, you know, we only saw what we saw on that day and it was very limited. But then when you look yeah. at all of it, it's very emotional for these men. But that does not men and women. But it doesn't mean that it changes the facts. Yes. And you're exactly correct about that. Remember, these senators and congressmen, for the most part, were hunkered down in the Capitol. And while they knew that there was a breach on the Capitol building, as you said, they weren't seeing what the U.S. Capitol Police was going through on the front lines. And, you know, just as a Christian, I've watched almost this entire impeachment trial and just taking the politics aside, what has been just so interesting to me is when, as the House impeachment managers are showing these videos and laying out the chronological timeline, in my view, what I am seeing is just how I feel like God had his hand of protection on the Capitol that day. It is truly remarkable when, while I know there was tragic loss of life, including one Capitol Police officer. To me, it is remarkable that there was not more tragedy that day. And when you see the video, the timeline of Officer Eugene Goodman, who was who was one-on-one, or one-on-many, I should say, with that mob that was heading up to the Senate chamber while Vice President Mike Pence was still inside the Senate chamber. He, because he took them away from the door, which was still open. I mean, it was literally a matter of one or two minutes that they were able to get the vice president out and secure the door, or that mob would have been in the chamber, could have been in the chamber while the vice president was still there. And when you walk through this timeline, to me, I just see so many moments of different decisions that people were making where had they turned left and not right, they would have been straight and gone straight into a mob. And when you see Senator Mitt Romney, and again, it was Officer Eugene Goodman who came running down the hall and told Senator Romney to turn around because he was heading straight into where people were. And I don't think they would have treated Senator Romney very, very kindly had they found him. To me, I've just been very, um, it's just been remarkable to me to see how many miracles I feel like um, God, God really performed that day that we might not realize. Mm-hmm. Well, I also think that's an important point, because what we saw on January the 6th, from my perspective, I was actually in a meeting with the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, when it unfolded. I was not at the Capitol. I was at the yeah. State Department. But looking back on or looking at the footage, looking at the information, pure evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is evil. Yeah. It, it is it is the yeah. manifestation of lawlessness that has been at work in our country for a long time. So I'm very troubled about what this means for our country and the mm-hmm. the ability it gives our 
um, opponents in uh, around the world the the ability to criticize us because quite frankly uh, we're losing the moral foundation that would that mm-hmm. keeps us together because we're we're a nation of law a nation of rules you know, we're ruled by law and self government is critical to this and what we saw on January the sixth was anything but self government it was a mob it was a riot. And, and but one thing I want to take uh, umbrage to, and, and in fact forcefully speak to this, is how uh, people are claiming that these individuals who, you know, clearly some of them supported Donald Trump, but that this is evangelicals. This is not evangelicals. These are lawless criminals who uh, who took matters into their own hands. That just like those in Portland, Seattle, that we've denounced that lawlessness. Mm-hmm. We denounce this lawlessness as well. Yes. I totally agree. Let's talk now uh, very quickly. Um, what do you anticipate from the Trump defense team? I mean, as you said, the Democratic managers playing very heavily upon the emotions, paying these pictures, trying to connect uh, Donald Trump to this, that he somehow is responsible for it. What do you think the defense team will do? Well, the defense team is going to make the case that while what happened was terrible, They don't think that you can convict President Trump for inciting the riot. And they they're going to argue that his speech was protected by the First Amendment and that they're also going to point to the fact that the FBI and law enforcement were aware that there was a very credible threat on the Capitol days before this event. Um, They're going to show that that shows that these people had planned this riot long before President Trump ever started speaking on January 6th. And they're really going to make that First Amendment arg- argument. And they've even in in their um, in in the first time we heard them on Tuesday, you know, they said they're they are not arguing that or defending what happened on January 6th. They agree with the House impeachment managers that that was a horrible event. But what they are going to defend is that it was that President Trump is not responsible as impeachment managers are charging him. Well, and I'm sure some of the facts that will come out because I had on my program here, I think it was on January the 18th, I had the uh, former Secretary of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf, who showed that he had offered to uh, the, to the District of Columbia and to the Capitol, you know, reinforcements, you know, they, they didn't have specifics, but they knew there could be trouble. And so they offered additional help, which was turned down. Uh, so the, mm-hmm. the administration was taking the actions necessary to provide the safety. Now, Abigail, I wonder if the defense team will also point to uh, some of the things that have been said um, by, like, Maxine Waters. Uh, Bobby, do we have that clip of uh, Maxine Waters handy? Let, let me play this clip. Let's make sure we show up wherever we have to show up. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. And then, of course, you had, uh, I think we got a, a clip of Chuck Schumer as well after our Supreme Court decision. We got that clip of uh, Senator Schumer. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. 
You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. So, I mean, is that insightful speech? Oh, I think we can count on them playing those videos and probably a few others. And also just showing videos of a lot of the violence that we saw play out this summer. And, you know, I heard Senator Josh Hawley today on Fox News, and he was talking about how I believe it was the night before the Capitol riot. There were protesters outside his home in northern Virginia where his wife was home alone with her newborn baby. And there were protesters outside pounding on the door, um, chanting, calling for Senator Hawley to come out and Senator Hawley was not even there. And he said today on Fox that there has, he has not heard one Democrat condemning those actions. And I think that is going to be a key part of president Trump. The president Trump's defense is showing that, um, you know, he, there are many cases of, of other politicians also in possibly inciting violence and calling for violence. And, are they going to be charged as well? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think you're right. I think it will be part of the uh, defense. Abigail Robertson, thanks so much for uh, joining us. Appreciate what CBN News does. Thank you. All right. And, folks, that's a good resource for you. CBN News is a good source of credible, trustworthy information. By the way, just for the record, had the president asked me, I would not have encouraged him to have that event on January the 6th. I think it was bad timing. Uh, but I don't think the president's responsible for what happened. Didn't use good judgment in bringing people to D.C., but that's another story. Coming up next is plan, 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 planned, I'll get this out, Planned Parenthood transitioning into the transgender services. We're going to talk about it with Abigail Schreier next. Don't go away. Hey, Matt. Hey, Hannah. What's going on? Why so gloomy? Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it. Oh, yeah? What did you have planned that you didn't get to do? Well, I was actually hoping I would finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it. Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard, but one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh, yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out. When did they start? I I would be so far behind. Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in any time. There's a daily reading just a couple of chapters a day with questions to help you think about what you're reading. Nice. Where can I find this? Go to frc.org slash Bible and you can get started. Where's that again? frc.org slash Bible. Got it. Checking it out now. In our time, North Korea remains one of the world's most mysterious countries. Unfortunately, what we do know about North Korea indicates the country is also one of the world's worst abusers of human rights, including violations of religious freedom. The North Korean regime has engaged in an intense crackdown on religion for decades. Today, few religious believers remain, and those who do face grave danger. The secretive nature of the regime, nicknamed the Hermit Kingdom, makes it difficult for American leaders to address these human rights issues. Yet, even though options are limited, the gravity of the situation calls on Western countries to take every action possible to relieve the suffering of the North Korean people, a people who have no chance of speaking up for themselves. To learn more about this important issue, 
Check out FRC's publication titled North Korea, the world's foremost violator of religious freedom. To access the information you need to stay informed, including a list of policy proposals, go to frc.org slash North Korea. Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many. The consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation by the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain and explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, gender dysphoria is on the rise across the country. And, uh, you know, we've talked about that, how social media is playing a part in that. It's it just the numbers are just it's statistically it says there's a problem. But uh, Planned Parenthood, never missing an opportunity, is cashing in. The infamous abortion provider found its niche in medical and chemical abortion. But like any business, uh, you know, they're trying to take the opportunity here to expand. And gender dysphoria is now being marketed as transgenderism. And anyone battling in their mind is just encouraged to give in and take the leap. And, and, and Planned Parenthood is there to help uh, making sure that they provide these uh, drugs to these young people. Because uh, they're making money off of this. And joining me now to talk about this is Abigail Schreier, author of Irreversible Damage, the Transgen- Transgender Craze, Seducing Our Daughters. Abigail, welcome back to the program. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. So what what is Planned Parenthood doing? So, you know, the truth is I really wish they were helping. What they're providing is um, teen girls, um, you know, d- d- the age depends on states, and some states like Oregon, you can go in at 15 to a Planned Parenthood clinic, and without parental permission, without so much as a therapist note, you walk in, you get a course of testosterone that day, um, and very often having never seen a doctor. I mean, just go in and say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm trans, transgender, I need treatment, and they just give it to them? Well, there's typically a one-hour intake interview, but, you know, I talked to one whistleblower from – I've talked to many adolescents who've, you know, received testosterone from from Planned Parenthood, but this was the first time I was able to talk to a whistleblower. And what she would describe is is an atmosphere in which the nurses and reproductive health assistants who they have manning these clinics, um, you know, are looking at each other knowing something very strange is going on, that these girls, sometimes they have scars from self-harm. Some of these cuts are fresh. They know these girls are very vulnerable, very troubled, and yet they're, you know, coming in with their girlfriends as a group and walking out that day with testosterone so what do you think is driving this 
well. Um, you know, the drugs are extremely pricey. And of course, if you start, unlike abortion, as the you know whistleblower I talked to pointed out, um, you know, you become a lifetime patient when you start on them. So it's a lot of repeat visits to Planned Parenthood to check on your blood work and do follow-ups. Um, that that's not what abortion is. Abortion is is typically a one-time visit. And so there's no question this is a very lucrative enterprise in a time when, frankly, abortion rates are very d- down in America. They're, they're lower than they've been at any time since 1973 when Roe v. Wade was decided. So Planned Parenthood adjusting their business model so they can uh, continue to rake in profits. I, I would imagine. I mean, it's certainly been successful for them. In just five years, they've gone from 26 clinics that provide testosterone to 210 clinics providing this service. Well, th- that gets to the underlying issue that you've talked about before, as what is fueling this transgender movement across the country. Well, we know there's peer influence. I mean, one of the reasons that, you know, I I chose to write up this interview I did with this whistleblower is because she told me something I had not heard before. And I actually did not and didn't realize when I wrote my book, which was that there were literally groups of girls coming in um, to Planned Parenthood clinics with their friends giggling in the waiting room. That's not what traditional gender dysphoria looks like. It's a real ailment. It's excruciating based on the people I've talked to. the, the young, you know, the adults who decide to transition, um, transgender adults who are lovely people, I know many at this point, and, and they do it because that's how they feel most comfortable. That is not what these girls are doing. They are, they are with, as teenagers, deciding out of the blue, um, encouraged by a lot of peer influence. These are very vulnerable girls. And because of social media influence and peer influence, they've decided that their problem is gender, and this is a quick and easy solution. Well, I, I want to transition to the to the policy aspect of this because I think you, clearly you've documented and I've read your stuff on how the social media is fueling this, but policies could as well. I've got a, a, a clip here earlier this week. The White House press secretary was asked about one of the uh, executive orders regarding transgenders. And let's play this, uh, this clip. I would just say that the president's belief is that uh, trans rights are human rights, and that's why he signed that executive order. Uh, And in terms of the determinations by universities and colleges, I would certainly defer to them. This was was about the slippery. Yeah, 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 this, this forcing educational institutions to allow men who claim to be women to participate in women's sports, use the restrooms, the locker rooms, the showers and so forth. I mean, you have to you have to acknowledge and i'm not saying that to you i'm just saying generally speaking the you 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 have to acknowledge that public policy is driving part of this as well that's interesting um i i think that you know I think that's probably right. I, I, you know, I tend to look at the culture rather than the p- policy. And I would just say, because I, I you know, I approach this as, as a journalist. I, I investigate the phenomenon. I don't have any public policy prescriptions. But I will say this, that, you know, girls are looking across the culture and they're seeing that the culture has turned their backs on them. They've seen mm-hmm. that boys are now in their, men are in their locker rooms. This has happened. They are seeing that boys are allowed to choose that, you know, pick off the top spots and the top scholarships in their sports they know it doesn't look great today to be a woman and you know they're they're choosing something else that's sad 
because a country doesn't have a culture, doesn't have a bright future, if that's the way young women are seeing themselves. I, I think that's right. I think it's really tough to be a young woman today. I don't think that they, they, they are getting almost no support from feminists in this country um, who, who have, uh, you know, you know, and you and you've heard that, you know, from the Biden administration that she turns around and recites mantras. Um, you know, trans women are right. women, this kind of stuff, right. in response to a very specific question about what's going to happen to school, the girls' school sports. Yeah, yeah. Um, sad. Abigail Schreier, thanks so much for joining us. I'll have your article posted at our website. I encourage people to take a uh, look at it. Abigail Schreier, author, author of Irreversible Damage, the craze, gender, transgender craze, seducing our daughters. Abigail, thanks so much for being with us. All right, folks, don't go away. We're coming back with more Washington Watch right after this. The history of religious persecution in China is extensive, and many are not aware of the current oppression of religious groups taking place there. China restricts religious practice and oppresses religious minorities on a sweeping scale. This religious persecution targets those of every faith. Christians, Muslims, Tibetan Buddhists, and Falun Gong practitioners are all victims of the Chinese Communist Party's efforts to suppress any set beliefs that might compete with the party's ideology. This campaign against religion has had and continues to have devastating consequences for those who simply wish to live according to their conscience. Family Research Council's recently updated publication addresses China's consistent abuses of human rights and explains why they cannot be treated like any other country. Learn more about this issue by visiting frc.org slash China. Oh, man. What's wrong? I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today. Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day's show. How's that? With the Stand Firm app. Yeah? Yep, you can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed so you can stay up to date on local and national news. Wow, I'd definitely use that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org slash app and download or search Stand Firm in the App Store. Okay, that's Stand Firm. Yep, Stand Firm. How do you know all this? Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story. Huh? This is Washington Watch, and I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, I want to go back to the impeachment trial because I want to focus on the hypocrisy of the left. And, and I'm, I, I, you may get tired of hearing this, so if you want, turn it off. But I think you need to know this, and you need to be able to 
pointed out to people. There's there's really kind of two issues that are being talked about here. One is that the uh, the president, by his talking about the election being stolen, was undermining the legitimacy of the election and working up the American people. Now, what amazes me is how the left, like for them, they are completely disconnected from history, their own history. It's like it's it's only right here and now. Well, I want to take you back to the, the, the 2016 election. You remember the whole Russian collusion? That was all about how the Russians colluded with Donald Trump and his campaign to steal the election. Do you remember that? And, of course, they had, you know, the hearing upon hearing upon hearing, and they came up with nothing, and they moved on to something else. Well, some people didn't move on. I've got a couple of clips here of uh, Hillary Clinton. Now, this first one, Hillary, um, is uh, this was in May of 2019. And she's talking, she's in California speaking about the election. Bobby, play that clip. You can run the best campaign. You can even become the nominee. And you can have the election stolen from you. What? She said the election was stolen. She's inciting people. Look, there's more. Uh, Let's play clip number two. He knows he's an illegitimate president. He knows. He knows that there were a bunch of different reasons why the election turned out the way it did. And I take responsibility for those parts of it that I should. But, Jane, it was like applying for a job and getting 66 million letters of uh, recommendation and losing to a corrupt human tornado. Wow. And, of course, Hillary Clinton was not alone. She had Nancy Pelosi. She had the Democratic establishment challenging the outcome of the election. As I mentioned, Congress, for the first year, was involved and just focused on this Russia collusion. Um, That's that's all they were talking about. And the media. And the media giving left to all of this. In fact, it went on longer than that. And then, of course, they went into the uh, impeachment over Ukraine. And so it's just it was one thing after another. But they were trying to undermine the legitimacy of his of his election, saying it was stolen because of the Russia connection. All right. That was one of the things. So we see the hypocrisy there where because the president challenged the election outcomes, he's responsible for people being upset. What about them? Was that why they were burning Portland and Seattle and all these other countries, all these other cities across the country? Now, the other one, I played these clips, but I'm going to keep playing them because the other thing they say is the president, he crossed the line in his speech. Now, I made reference to this with uh, Abigail Robertson. We have to date the only adjudicated case of domestic terrorism was an LGBTQ activist who came into our building shooting. Of course, the media drops that. They don't talk about that. And they were inspired by the Southern Poverty Law Center. He even admitted to it. But you don't see anything about that. Now it's all these uh, these people who are domestic terrorists who came to the to uh, to Washington inspired by the president. I want you to hear again a, a, a woman of Congress, a congresswoman, Maxine Waters, Play that clip, Bobby. And so 
Let's stay the course. Let's make sure we show up wherever we have to show up. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. And that's exactly what they did. Harassing members of Congress, members of the Trump administration at restaurants here in D.C. and elsewhere. And, of course, you have the now majority leader in the Senate, Chuck Schumer, saying this about the Supreme Court. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. Now, that's pretty inflammatory language. And when he was challenged about it, what he said, oh, I was just that was just speech. I wasn't implying anything. The president was just making a speech. But here we see once again a double standard. And this from the very individual that is driving this in the United States Senate. Folks, we have to hold them accountable to the double standard that they employ, the hypocrisy that they're engaged in. We can't be silent. We have to call it out. All right, when we come back, Gordon Chang joins us. I thought the Biden administration might take a tough line on China because of their human rights abuses, even uh, the fact that uh, on the way out, uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo connecting China with a track record of genocide, genocidal activities. Thought Biden was going to take a strong stance, but maybe not. We talk about it next with Gordon Chang. Don't go away. More Washington Watch to come. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday on over 800 radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Representative Vicki Hartzler, Molly Hemingway, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Dana Lash, Sissy Graham Lynch, Pastor John MacArthur, Eric Metaxas, Albert Moeller, and more. Tony is joined by leading political figures, pastors, and policy and culture experts who will inspire you to be engaged and informed on the important issues facing America. For a Christian perspective on the news of the day, tune in to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com. Ever since the Supreme Court handed down its infamous Roe v. Wade decision in 1973 that legalized abortion nationwide, a national debate has raged over whether the government should fund abortion. In 1976, Congress banned taxpayer funding of abortion and Medicaid by passing the Hyde Amendment. Several states have followed suit, passing their own restrictions on abortion funding. However, because government funding is a complex system of joint federal and state programs, completely banning taxpayer funding for abortions and abortion businesses like Planned Parenthood is challenging. 
there is still much work to be done to free the American taxpayer from funding the horrific practice of abortion. Family Research Council's new publication clearly explains the Hyde Amendment and why we need to keep it in order to save taxpayers from being forced to fund abortion. Access this important information by visiting frc.org slash Hyde. What's on your daily or weekly reading list? Are you looking for honest and informative commentary from fellow believers on the current issues facing our culture? Family Research Council has just the thing. Check out FRC's blog at frcblog.com. The content on our blog is written by our policy experts as well as outside contributors. On our blog, you can read about a wide variety of topics, including religious liberty, life, marriage, family, sexuality, public policy, and the culture. Read up on some of our latest titles like Four Disturbing Trends in Religious Freedom Worldwide, Legitimizing Looting Jeopardizes Liberty for All, The Media Still Doesn't Get It, Conservatives Tend to Vote Conservative, and more. At Family Research Council, our mission is to advance faith, family, and freedom in the culture by helping you live out your faith and to stand for truth. Our blog is here to help you do that. Stay informed and get the resources you need at frcblog.com. This is Washington Watch, and I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you missed last night's town hall meeting, the Pray, Vote, Stand town hall meeting, A Way Forward, you can uh, go to TonyPerkins.com and follow the links. Oh, we got it um, archived there. Powerful uh, stuff. It was very good. Had uh, Pastor Gary Hamrick, senior pastor there at Cornerstone Chapel, and we also had Mike Ferris president and CEO of uh, Alliance Defending Freedom. Covered a lot of ground, a lot of ground. So anyway, it's there. Go to TonyPerkins.com, follow the links over. All right, there was, a, there was a moment in which I thought President Biden appeared that he was going to be tough on China, calling on the free world to hold the communist regime accountable for their human rights violations at the very beginning of uh, his term. But after um, President Xi Jinping made threats to the United States in regards to Biden's comments. He appeared to drop the tough guy routine. Biden is already making concessions to the CCP by removing a Trump-era rule that removed Chinese propaganda machines from school campuses across America, which is quite amazing. He did this very quietly, too. Um, so, so what's next? In fact, I, I got a little clip here I want to play. This was this aired uh, during the Super Bowl or the Super Bowl. It was a, a four part series that he did um, with um, Noreen O'Donnell. And I want to play that clip. So, Bobby, go ahead and play that clip for me. He's very bright. He's very tough. Um, he doesn't have and I don't mean as a criticism, just a reality. He doesn't have a Democratic small D bone in his body. But he is, um, the question is, I've said to him all along, that uh, we need not have a uh, 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 conflict, but there's going to be an extreme competition. And uh, I'm not going to do it the way that he knows this, because he's been sending signals as well, that I'm not going to do it the way Trump did. We're going to focus on international rules of the road. Again, that was uh, his interview with uh, Nora O'Donnell of uh, CBS uh, Evening News aired during the Super Bowl. Joining me now to talk about this is our good friend Gordon Chang, author of The Coming Collapse of China 
and the great U.S.-China tech war. Uh, his, uh, if you want to follow him on Twitter, it's Gordon G. Chang. Gordon, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much, Tony. All right. Let me ask you this. Off the, he says we're going to be, it's going to be extreme competition. How do you compete with somebody who's cheating? Well, uh, you impose costs. And we heard from uh, uh, Biden campaign officials before the election that they really weren't into imposing costs on China. What they wanted to do was to improve the United States itself. itself. So, for instance, um, develop our technology and our know-how. Now, that sounds fine, but China steals somewhere in the neighborhood of, let's say, $500 billion worth of U.S. IP each year. So we can't develop our technology. We can't improve our economy unless we impose those costs on China. So there's a lot to unpack from what uh, Biden has said. But I think the most important thing, Tony, is that although sometimes he does talk tough, you know, extreme competition, what we have seen for the three weeks from his executive orders and other actions really has been a lot of giveaways to China, and we haven't gotten anything in return. Are you concerned about the path that he is, the, the Biden administration is currently charting? Absolutely. Um, we look at some of the executive orders. There are no defenses for what he did. So, for instance, uh, President Trump, with an executive order, barred China from supplying equipment to our electricity grid. In other words, that prevents China from committing sabotage. And that's not a theoretical concern when it comes to the grid. Yet uh, Biden, in an executive order, uh, repealed that Trump era protection. Now, Biden said that he wanted to review what uh, his predecessor had done. And, you know, every new occupant in the office in the White House wants to do that. But he should have left the protection in place while he conducted that review, which, of course, will take months. So there was no justification for uh, repealing the Trump ban. And, you know, we go look through a lot of the other executive orders. There are real concerns with what he is doing. Let's talk about uh, this um, reversal of what President Trump had put in place to keep the Chinese Communist Party propaganda machine off of college campuses. Yes. Well, that's another thing that he's done recently, and that is to not go forward with that uh, Trump-era ban, which I think is essential, because a lot of people talk about the Confucius Institutes, which there are about 60 or so left on U.S. college campuses. There are 500 Confucius classrooms in our secondary schools. And people say, well, these are just language programs. Well, no, they're not, because they also teach culture, and we know that they're not really run by the Ministry of Education, which is really the front they're run by the Communist Party's United Front Work Department, which is the part of the Communist Party which tries to subvert um, foreign countries. So really what we've got here is um, propaganda on our campuses. We can't have, for instance, Reagan Institutes in uh, China. So I don't right. understand why we're allowing um, Chinese propaganda outlets on our soil. I mean, The way I see this, Gordon Chang, is... You know, one of the last things that uh, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo did, in fact, it may have been the very last thing he did leaving office, was to talk about how China was involved in uh, basically genocide uh, when it came to the Uyghurs and other minorities in China. And, you know, of course, that was tossed into the lap of the Biden administration. Initially, they, you know, kind of acknowledged it, but it certainly does not appear that they're going to take anywhere near 
the hardline approach the Trump administration was taking in calling out China for their human rights abuses, for, as you pointed to earlier, uh, their stealing of uh, U.S. technology. I mean, it looks like they're going to play right into the hands of China. Yes. Well, one of the uh, greatest things from the Trump administration was January 19th of this year when Secretary Pompeo made an official determination that China was committing crimes against humanity, including genocide, against its minorities. And he specifically referred to the Kazakhs and the Uyghurs. Um, But it also applies to what China's been doing in Tibet. Um, Anthony Blinken, uh, Pompeo's successor, during his confirmation hearing, said that he agreed with Secretary Pompeo, as did Janet Yellen during um, her confirmation process. But we have yet to see the Biden administration make that official. Um, and I think that uh, when you look at that, when you talk about genocide, we've got to remember that the U.S. is a party to the Genocide Convention of 1948, which requires right. every country to stop genocide. And I don't hear any of that language from the Biden team so far. Yeah, um, it's going to be very interesting how they deal with that, because the evidence continues to come out. It's it, You can no longer deny what China is involved in as it pertains to uh, the Uyghurs and other minorities. It was announced that the Biden uh, administration, that he's putting together a Pentagon-run China task force. What do we know about this? What's its purpose? What will they be focused on? We don't know very much about this, Tony. Um, it's a welcome development that the Pentagon is focusing on China because Lloyd Austin, the new Secretary of Defense, was CENTCOM commander when um, he was in the Army. And clearly um, he has very little experience about the Indo-Pacific, which is where the Pentagon should be focused on. Um, so um, this is a welcome development that they're thinking about it. But the question is, what are they actually going to say about it? We won't know because it's um, the early indications are that there'll be no public facing document when the report, uh, when the task force is completed with its work. So we'll just have to wait because this will take a couple months at least for them to come up with something. Maybe they won't even do it until July. Now, now Gordon, oftentimes we can kind of um, detect how another country views an incoming administration by the actions that they take. What have we seen from China in the last three weeks uh, in terms of their posture internationally and their posture toward the U.S.? The most important indication we had was on January 23 when China's nuclear-capable H-6K bombers simulated an attack on the Theodore Roosevelt Carrier Strike Group when it was in the South China Sea. And that's an indication that Beijing is testing Biden. Um, We should have heard um, strong words from the president um, after such a hostile act. Now, it's good that the U.S. Navy has put not only the Theodore Roosevelt, but also the Nimitz strike group in the South China Sea right now. They've also conducted some freedom of navigation operations, which are important. Um, But we need to hear the president of the United States um, talk about this, because this could lead to um, conflict. I want to talk about that for just a moment, uh, Gordon Chang. When we we're facing a multifaceted threat from China, I mean, we've got the propaganda uh, that they're they're doing here in the country uh, to you know basically undermine our d- democratic institutions. We see them you know stealing technology. Uh, they're um, 
you know, so they're in, engaged in that from an economic standpoint, but then militarily. So which is the greatest threat that we face from China? Um, well, the attack is on all fronts, so it's really hard to differentiate. Um, I would look at um, the economic threat as the most important because the the economy of China gives it the cash in order to develop the weapons that they are configuring their military to fight us. So um, I, I look at the economy as being the most fundamental. But we also um, last year, you know, China actually incited violence on American streets. And they did that in a number of different ways. They also did that this year in connection with the January 6th riot uh, at the Capitol Hill. So um, this is more than just subversion, Tony. This is an act of war, and it's continuing. And um, we need to stop this because they are trying to create turmoil in our streets, leading to the destruction of our form of governance. And we have to recognize the comprehensive and the maliciousness of this challenge to us. Now, uh, we actually had one of our uh, senior fellows who is uh, from China, uh, who is involved in religious freedom issues. His home was targeted in uh, in Texas by uh, those connected with China. What uh, what do we do know about their role on uh, January the sixth? Um, Cardiff University in in Britain um, did a study of China's internet operations, um, and what they did both before and after January sixth was to encourage Americans to engage in violence, in violent acts. So, um, And then, of course, China has um, then at the same time pointed to uh, the Capitol 6 riot and said this shows that American democracy is failing and the United States is collapsing. And this is a malicious uh, propaganda narrative, um, which, you know, there's just so many things that one can say about it, but it's they're trying to destroy our government and destroy our society. Um, so... Um, we know that this is the most malicious way that a government can act, short of the use of force. Mm-hmm. I, I want to go back for uh, just a moment, the few minutes we've got left, Gordon. The the economic, obviously, if if they don't have the money, they can't ramp up their military, and they're getting that money from American consumers. And, and I think that's one of the things we've got to think about when we buy products. I mean, we've talked before about the number of American companies, Nike, Coca-Cola, and others who are connected in some form or fashion uh, to the supply chain using forced labor with Uyghurs. And, you know, so, so that's one thing we got to be considered about, concerned about. But also when we buy those cheap Chinese products, that's just dollars going into their coffers to build up their military threat against America. Well, it certainly is. And it's also American investment, portfolio investment into the Chinese stock markets. It's also, um, uh, for instance, we have ancestry companies that use uh, China's services to survey, to create DNA DNA profiles of Americans. So there's all sorts of ways that we are, ways we are shoveling cash into China. And by the way, you mentioned Nike. You know, as Nike lectures us about racism, it was purposefully and knowingly using slave labor to produce its shoes. There's a factory yeah. in Qingdao in China. Um, this is just beyond words unspeakable. Well, I mean, NBA also falls in that category as well. What we what we've seen happen is all of this, you know, corporate America woke Amer- corporate America is uh, just like you know the Democratic Party is so, so uh, filled with hypocrisy. It's it's astounding, uh, but. 
here's the uh, the bottom line for consumers is that we don't have to do business with those entities that number one are lecturing us on as you said uh, you know all this woke wokeness uh, and then you know turning their back on people who are being tortured killed and imprisoned uh, but then these uh, products that are coming from China that are feeding more money into China right, look pay a little bit more get American made or from some other country uh, that's uh, competing in the market now. And that's what the Trump administration tried to do by getting our supply chains out of China. We need to accelerate that process. We've heard very little from the Biden team since the inauguration. They, they announced a Buy American program, but that's just a drop in the bucket. Yeah. And as you say, American consumers are fueling China's military machine. Yeah, and that's where we can take responsibility without the politicians. Gordon Chang, as always, great to talk with you. Thank, thanks so much for uh, for joining us today. Thank you, Tony. All right. Uh, again, you can uh, keep up with Gordon, Gordon G. Chang on uh, on Twitter. And, and look, you know, people are always saying, oh, I just can't do anything. This is one of those things where you spend your money. Second Vote, I haven't talked about them in a while, but a great resource. You can go to secondvote.com or .org, I can't remember which, uh, or you can download the app. And it tells you which companies are worthy of doing business with. Don't give your money to those companies who are working against your values. All right, out of time, unfortunately. Check out the website, TonyPerkins.com. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.